Hello, rare ones, and welcome to the Rare Birds podcast. This is your host, Joanne, and welcome back to the second episode of our New Frontiers of African Tech, where I am joined by my lovely co-host, Miss Heather Lee. Hello, Heather. Hi, everyone. It's nice to uh, join this uh, podcast again. Um, yeah, so today we are having a very exciting speaker. His name is Adishina uh, from, from Nigeria, and um, he has a startup um, connecting retailers to uh, c- customers, and he can promise to deliver it to your door within 59 minutes in Nigeria. So, okay, so let's have Adishina um, introduce, uh, have a better introduction of himself and his startup. Hello, thank you very much for this opportunity. Uh, my name is Adishino, like you introduced me. I'm the founder um, and CEO of OneKios Africa. Uh, basically, what we do at OneKios Africa is to leverage on technology to connect you to the closest uh, vendor around your location, thereby also assuring you of a 59-minute circle. Averagely, we do about 30 minutes. Um, the goal really is to build confidence and trust, restore that trust and confidence back to the online space, you know, for for the African market and also to be able to integrate the local stores who before now do not have, you know, the wider market, you know, to access the online pool, you know, to be able to make more sales and also, you know, build their businesses. We ourselves you know to call ourselves like the uber for commerce whereby whenever you need something you can either get it timely or maybe just not available um, so that way you know we believe that we can create at least one million jobs over the next five years through our model thank you cool that's very awesome yeah i think Adishina and i connected uh, over linkedin post that i shared about um another startup called circle watch that raised $14 million uh, earlier this year. And they're also a logistic company focusing on the like informal retailer market in Africa. Uh, so uh, could you tell us a little bit more about the like retail market in Africa and the like uh, informal, informal retailers, especially um, like how are people, um, yeah, like how, the, how are the stores operating differently than maybe other parts of the world? Uh, or how are people putting their groceries uh, before your app exists and how your app is helping them with a better solution. Okay, uh, thank you very much. Um, so basically, um, about 95% of our retailers are actually, you know, the informal local stores um, who before now are the normal brick and mortar stores who kind of you know attend to most of these customers but the customers typically go maybe quite some distance from their house and then go you know to go purchase things from their stores but with our own platform right now they can actually sit from the comfort of their homes and then place an order from the same store you know that is around their neighborhood what this has done uh, for for the customer is that it has given them the leverage of convenience. So now they can enjoy full convenience, you know, from the comfort of their homes or wherever they find themselves by seeing stores around them and see buying what they normally would have taken maybe, you know, quite some few minutes, maybe about 30 to even, 
you know, two hours having to go down, shuffle down, and then pick what they have to buy and then walk back all the way down or maybe take a, a ride all the way down. But now they can easily, you know, go online, assess these guys, and place an order. So what this does along the value chain is the fact that we have somebody who also picks up from this store. So it has also removed the issue of logistics because we, before setting out, you know, One Kios, uh, Africa, we kind of looked at, you know, the trend within the e-commerce space whereby a lot of people were shutting down because of the infrastructural gaps that exist in the market. In Africa, we do not have most of the good infrastructural networks, you know, to facilitate most of the models that have been tested out before now in Africa. So leveraging on the informal sector, creating an hybrid model whereby people are already used to these normal informal retailers. Basically, um, you know, part of what we do for these uh, informal retailers is the fact that now from our own platform, they can actually identify you know, what is the best selling good, you know, that, you know, I have within my inventory. They can also be able to harness data, you know, to be able to, you know, assess credit. So from before now, most of these local stores don't even know how much they make, you know, on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, or even monthly basis. But from our platform now, they can actually harness some of this data and then provide this information to, you know, financial institutions who might be able to give them access to credit. Now, if they have access to credit, they are able to, you know, increase their efficiency, they are able to better manage their stores, they are able to employ more hands, you know, which automatically translates to job creation, you know, and then the, the, the cycle goes round and round, makes the economy much more better, you know, to live and much more efficient, you know, in that sense. This is also in line with our own personal goal that we have set for ourselves to be able to create 1 million direct and indirect jobs over the next five years. Because, you know, the Boston Consulting Group kind of projected that e-commerce has the potential to create 3 million new jobs over the next five years. So we have taken it upon ourselves that out of the 3 million new jobs, we want one kiosk to be able to contribute at least 1 million jobs, you know, for the African continent. Thank you. Yeah, the that's a very, very ambitious goal, but also like a really big vision. I'm really glad that the entrepreneurs out there, like not just thinking about like the own, like from the business perspective, but also from the social impact perspective. Uh, so that's definitely very inspiring. Um, yeah. So like currently um, you guys are employing um, delivery guys around the city, uh, like wherever, like the clusters of the stores are, I guess. So how do you like mobilize the like the people that you're employing to do like deliveries? Are the are these people like they just usually take odd jobs or uh, they're unemployed and then somehow you got to recruit them from the community? Okay, so uh, just like I said earlier, you know, our model is just like, you know, Uber in that sense. So it's Uber for commerce or, you know, if you want to put it that way. Um, so before now, we have a lot of people. Currently, the unemployment rate in Nigeria stands at about 34%. Um, and in South Africa, they about the last I checked was about 27%. I'm sure that number would have increased by now. And, it, you know, if you check out... African countries generally, a lot of untapped, you know, youth, you know, 
opportunities that you know you could have really engaged in terms of youth knowledge youth um, bridge that you can actually like tap into the system so what we did is to follow the uber you know trend and you know vet take you know this unemployed youth within each community you know through various processes whereby we're able to verify their identity we're able to verify where they live and somebody to also guarantee that oh in case of anything you know we can actually hold this particular person responsible after that has been done we onboard them on our platform and what that what what happens is whenever there's an order within a particular area they find themselves they are able to click on the order and accept to pick up the order when they pick up the order like accept to pick up the order the vendor automatically sees the person coming to pick up the order the customer also has access to the um, delivery guy who has accepted to pick up the order they are, that way they are able to monitor the estimated time that this product is going to get to them so it just, you know, creates jobs even along the value chain because before now, you know, these guys, you know, won't have any way to earn, but now they can earn as much as two dollars, you know, even as much as about uh, six dollars, depending on, um, you know, the quantity and, you know, um, the distance in that sense. So that way they're able to like, you know, fend for their families. So just imagine. Uh, we call them one kiosk pro. So just imagine a one kiosk pro, you know, being able to do at least minimum of about of about hundred orders a day, so hundred mm. deliveries a day, which is relatively mm. small when you look at you know what they have the capacity to do generally. So that way they're able to go home on a daily basis with an average of maybe about you know fifty dollars to about sixty dollars thereabouts. You know, so it's just, you know, creating new ways for them to, you know, be able to have, you know, a stream of income and reducing even, you know, the the issues of, oh, you don't have job. That is why you are going into various social vices, you know, and all that. So what we are doing is to allow our customers see that for every order they place, they are empowering somebody. So it's also like mm. a connection. You know, for every order you place through one kiosk, you're empowering somebody. You know, so there's mm. that there's that connection whereby people believe that they should buy, you know, using one kiosk because they believe that for every order that is placed, they are indirectly saving a life and making even their community better. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely very empowering. Um, so yeah, so what is the current stage of your startup uh, what are the uh, progress so far and also I'm kind of curious like how do you work with uh, different uh, different partners and uh, different government agencies uh, like uh, with your current app because uh, like what you're trying to do is solving like big economic problems so you definitely have to engage with different types of partners uh, commercials and also uh, governmental agencies as well yeah that's very correct very correct um so for us you know immediately we 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 thought about this idea or we conceived this idea the first thing was to start engaging 
the potential users. That's what we started out with because, you know, we believe in talking to people who are going to use it and not just talking to people who are going to use it, but all stakeholders along that value chain. So um, because of the social impact side of our business, you know, we've been able to have warm reception, you know, to various corridors of, you know, the government, um, various corridors of various stakeholders who are actively, you know, impressed with what, you know, the potentials that our solution has, you know, in Nigeria, um, to be specific, obviously, because we started out here, you know, and also in some parts of Africa, too. Um, so generally, what we do is to engage them one step at a time. What we're looking out for is a situation whereby when the government wants to harness, because especially in Africa, a lot of government talk about how they are allocating so much funds, you know, to these micro, small and medium scale enterprises. And the truth is that most of the time, most of these funds are actually bicorted and not even, you know, accessible to this, you know, grassroots uh, local, local stores. So what we are trying to do is a situation whereby we are able to increase our numbers significantly high in terms of being able to map all these stores in various communities that even when the government want to make plans, you know, for them, either in terms of regulations, either in terms of, you know, empowering them, they can easily have access to be able to directly engage them rather than going through middlemen. Because that is what our platform is doing. They're able to assess them directly rather than saying, oh, okay, let's get this person who will then go and look for them and then disburse this money. And in the process of this person looking for them, the money might not even be disbursed to the right you know, people. So now we are able to bridge that gap. We've been working with various partners, you know, since inception. Like for example, in Lagos State in Nigeria, yeah, uh, we've been in talks and engagement, different levels of engagement with the Lagos State Employment Trust Fund, uh, the Lagos State Innovate, you know, and various other agencies in Lagos. Yeah, uh, what that has done for us is we've been able to, you know get to some degrees of enjoying some benefits from the government and also providing some, you know, information that can help some of these governments to be able to, like, align, you know, some of their resources properly. We're also looking at even a stage whereby, you know, because the Lagos State Employment Trust Fund has some initiatives whereby they train some of these um, unemployed youth. We're looking at a situation that immediately they have verified them, we can easily absorb them into our pool since we don't have to then go through the, you know, long process of verification. So that we were able to harness, you know, information, you know, share data from them, you know, in terms of verification and then confirm that those, you know, information are authentic and just absorb them into our system. We are also in talks with various government agencies, such as the Aquarium State Government, different, you know, um, you know, state governments and stakeholders generally um, in Nigeria, including the Smidan, uh, the Abuja Enterprise Agency, and a whole lot of them, you know, both technology-wise, both business-wise, whose goal is actually to, you know, promote um, the emergence of most of these local stores. So it's actually been something that, you know, a lot of them has been very, very receptive about. Um, but we just feel like maybe perhaps they could do more, you know, to, to us, you know, you know, contributing better, more efficiently. But we believe that as we go and as we scale with more numbers, it's, 
is something that obviously everybody will be able to harness, you know, through data sharing to make even our community much more inclusive and better. Thank you. Yeah, very, very cool. Um, yeah, so I guess I wanted to take a step back and just like, because uh, you, you're someone who really believes that through entrepreneurship, through Africa, uh, through technology, uh, that these are really going to bring a lot of really positive impact to the continent of Africa. So like, how did you develop this vision? And, um, and also like you have founded uh, a lot of uh, various startups before, you're a serial entrepreneur. So just like I walk us through your journey and like share uh, like maybe your experience or uh, how did you develop uh, like your vision? Okay. So um, in 2016, I decided to step aside um, from my normal nine to five um, lifestyle. I was with one of the top uh, financial institutions and I decided to say, okay, it's time to you know, go make a, a mark, you know, in the society. Let's 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 get out there and let's do it. Um, basically, I started out home to towards Nigeria, and then I pushed that, you know. But alongside why pushing one kiosk, pushing home to towards Nigeria, I identified, you know, some opportunities which actually led me to some of these things that I'm doing now, because. Um, I took up one of the teaching rules because what Home Tutors does, Home Tutor Nigeria does then or did was to actually connect, you know, parents with verified tutors, you know, within their locality. So we verify the teachers and then we connect them to the parents. So on one of those two occasions, I decided to take up, you know, a particular role to also experience you know what some of my tutors go through you know while carrying out their work you know so that led me into going frequently to a popular market here in nigeria lagos nigeria here called idumota you know and every time i enter idumota i see a lot of movement of goods year there year there and these goods are worth millions of dollars every day sold right from a single market and i ask myself this is this is money. This is potentials, you know. And so I decided to start engaging, you know, with some of the retailers. Identified some of their challenges, even though I never, you know, even thought about, you know, fully entering into the space. But I decided that okay, let's try out some of the existing platforms that existed. So I decided to help them, you know, upload some of their products online. You know, using then, you know, uh, some of these platforms that have shut down now, you know, um, I don't want to mention names, but some of these platforms, you know, that were existing then. And, you know, fast forward to 2018, most of these platforms decided to shut down. And the question was, these guys have been able to increase their sales. Even me personally, I've seen how I've been able to also drive revenue, even for myself, you know, on an average of about $300 you know, to sometimes even as high as $500 on a weekly basis in terms of, you know, profit. You know, and I said, why don't we do something that is more inclusive? If some of these platforms are shutting down just because of some of the overheads and some of the challenges, let's identify this and find a way to work around it. Because, you know, some of those businesses that I was privileged to interact with, you know, during those periods, 
you know, still needed a way to connect online. Because obviously they either do not have the capacity to either build their own platform or for themselves, or maybe it's not just efficient for them to do that. But if they have a platform that they can actually go online and connect and people around them can actually place order, it gives them more visibility. So I decided that, okay, let's find out what works. So in January 2019, we decided to incorporate uh, One Kiosk Africa, and then we, we decided to start, you know, testing out the market to see how uh, people were going to, you know, react to it. And with a one-page website that we started out with, we've seen a kind of, you know, geometric growth, you know, over the last few months. It's been awesome. You know, we've done over $30,000 in revenue organically without even advertising. You know, that for us was something that actually pointed us to say, oh, it's time for us to then go and build the real thing because... I believe in also growing lean. So we decided that, okay, it's time for us to build a mobile app. It's time for us to build a web app. And we've gone there and then we've now, you know, got into the stage whereby now the market is fully ready to harness a more robust platform. So basically, you know, this is like the journey. And we're also engaging at this stage with various stakeholders who, you know, uh, can partner with us in terms of, um, you know, investors in terms of partners and all that, you know, so that we can have a very um, robust system in place, structure in place, so that we can actually give the dividends of this solution, not just to Nigeria, but also across Africa, you know. So basically, that's, that's the goal. We also believe that even this solution can scale even across the globe. But obviously, since our target, you know, our primary target is Africa first, you know, creating jobs here, yeah, I believe by 2025, we can then start looking at scaling across Africa, you know, and giving them some of, some, so giving some of our global competitors, you know, a, a table to shake. <laughs> yeah, mm. a big goal. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah, so I was curious, um, like, because like, quite a lot of uh, startups in African countries, they often like they have this big vision that they're going to scale across Africa. But it's kind of rare, like, I don't think I personally know of any startup that really kind of made it like across different countries and operating well. Like, so for you, like, what do you think are like some of the opportunities uh, to scale up across the language barriers and policy barriers uh, across different countries. And um, yeah, like what are the challenges and what do you think that you could do to make it happen? Okay, so um, so the truth is that um, the market differs. At least my little, my little tour in, to some African countries over the last few years have made me to understand that the customer behavior actually differs. So what works in Nigeria might not work in Uganda. What works in Uganda might not work in Egypt. What works mm -hmm. in Egypt might not work in Zimbabwe or Tanzania. You know, mm -hmm. and in fact, I think East, East African countries have um, a kind of more reserved 
you know, not all. At least Kenya is kind of still bubbling. If you look at the top three e-commerce flat um, countries that has potential, Kenya, South Africa, Nigeria. But if you look at countries like Uganda, Tanzania, Rwanda, those guys have smaller markets. So you can't go with mm. the expectation that you had in Nigeria or in Kenya or in South Africa to want to hit a market like Rwanda. Mm. So I think um, being able to adapt the solution, being able to understand, you know, how the market works, not just rushing just because you want to scale, being able to adapt it to suit them, having somebody who has that knowledge is to be the one to lead the solution over there in terms of um, the groundwork that needs to be done, you know, kind of helps you scale. So, you know, one other thing I've noticed too, a lot of us, you know, want to just scale fast. So we just dash into the market without really understanding how, you know, that stuff um, works. So it's just like, um, I think I mentioned that some time ago about, you know, the journey. So it's just like giving, you know, the best cycle, you know, whereby, you know, you conceive and then, you know, you go through the first trimester, second trimester, third semester, and then it's now at the point of giving birth and all that. So the same applies to the startup journey. You know, you we 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 are startup founders. We need to be able to understand this and understand that it's not every market um, that has the same potential like you know the other market that you have tested. So most times you need to be able to be flexible, you know, in terms of some of the decisions and some of the strategic, you know, planning that goes into deployment. So if I deploy $100,000 in Rwanda, obviously I'm not going to deploy $100,000 in Nigeria. I'm going to deploy maybe times three or times five because of the size of the market. And if yeah. I deploy $100,000 in Rwanda, I'm obviously not going to deploy that same amount in Tanzania because that's a smaller market. So, you know, those are just some of the things, you know, how are they, you know, open to, you know, at least as at the time of penetrating into that market, how are they receptive to new technology? How, what is the, what is the numbers in terms of internet penetration, access to the internet, and some of those other things are just things that has to be carefully understood. I think basically the infrastructural gaps, you know, has also added to most people not being able to scale across Africa because obviously there are a lot of, you know, peculiar issues in different African markets. But once we are able to identify these issues and be able to work around them, you know, according to, you know, each market, then obviously anybody can scale um, across the board. So one unique stop we did for One Kiosk Africa, you know, if you, if you look at our model, our model is similar to Corner Shop, Instant Card, uh, Deliveroo, and a whole lot of um, solutions on a global scale, you know, but we've tweaked it a bit because we know that in Africa, people don't know their zip code. Even if they know their zip code, the address or the numbering or the verification of address is very, very, you know, scattered. So it's not, 
is not well structured. So we decided to make it in such a way that you can impute your address. You can you can tell us where you are, at least from the address that you kept, not just putting zip code as some of these other platforms, you know, globally does. You know, so those are just some little tweaks, you know, that you can do so that a lot of people can easily walk around the solution and adapt it. So I think basically, you know, once we do that, and then obviously to just cap it off, once we do that, we can then decide is it worth entering or not worth entering. So if I'm going to spend $100,000 and I'm not going to make maybe $500,000 at the end of the day, I'm going to ask myself, is it worth it? Or is not worth it. So you are able to determine which market to enter or not, which market not to enter. Yes, yeah. for sure. I did have a question. I wanted. I was curious about um, your your scope in retail. Are you going to focus in one particular area anytime soon, or are you going to keep it broad? Okay. Um, so you are asking if we're going to focus on. You know, just one specific um, line yeah. in terms of vertical. Okay, so because um, yeah. for example, for now, you're in food, you're in clothing, you're in, you're across all different areas of retail. Um, are you going to remain that way, or do you think you'll change in the future? Okay, so um, for now, we do not have um, enough data to be able to say we want to maybe um, slim down. But I can mm. categorically tell you that our top three selling categories for now is uh, food, groceries, and then anything baby, baby stuffs. Um, so we might want mm. to, you know, in the near future, as we gather more, more data, you know, to maybe streamline along this um, path or do otherwise, because basically um, we've seen high points, you know, whereby you know some people were in the hospital uh, and then they needed food um, in a timely manner and we have also seen issues whereby you know people were in the office and needed office stationaries you know to just you know so from available data we'll be able to know which area you know has the highest volumes especially so that we do not you know divert our efforts in a scattered manner um so that we were able to be known for a particular go-to for for this or go-to for that so obviously i'm sure you know within the next um 12 12 months to 18 months there about we'll be able to you know really know um what makes sense for us to do and what makes sense for us not to do but the top three um selling um, products right now, anything about food, cooked food, uh, anything about mm -hmm. groceries, and then um, you know baby baby stuffs such as diapers and and all that is like the three major selling uh, categories for now. Yeah. Interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, how do you also like ensure that everything get delivered within 59 minutes? Because I know like the traffic in Nigeria can get really crazy, especially in bigger cities. Like, um, are people like using motorcycles or how do they go around like making sure they can deliver it on time? Or how do you control it from the app side? Okay, so what we did um, when we started out was to train these guys and educate them why we you know we wanted to be different, both on the vendor side and also on the one kiosk pro. 
But right now on our um, system, what we've done, you know, is to take it a step further, whereby we've programmed our system to be able to, you know, work according to time. So we programmed it in such a way that the vendor, immediately an order is completed, the vendor needs to be able to approve within 10 minutes. Mm. So that order needs to be approved within 10 minutes. If not, that order is going, you know, it's going to be, you know, it's going to turn to a red, red, red flagged uh, order, you know. So you need, so you can see that you already, you know, being timed to accept your order within 10 minutes. The one kiosk pro is timed within 15 minutes to have accepted or, you know, if not, the order goes to the next guy who is also able to accept you know, to, to pick up the order. So what that does is that on an average, you know, the, 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 the customer is able to have from the point whereby the, the goods is picked up and mm -hmm. the customer gets it, he has at least an average of about, you know, um, 35 minutes thereabouts. So no matter how the traffic is, and because we are, you know, basically doing on average of about maybe one to five kilometer radius, um, you are sure of being able to get it. But what, you know, we also do uh, in terms of how do they now deliver it to the customers, you know, in terms of that last mile delivery, we have um, about three categories of people who do this delivery according to the size, you know, because obviously before the guy can accept to pick up the order, he has seen, you know, how heavy that product is or what quantity, mm. you know, he's picking up. So we have those who have bicycle, who go on bicycle. Mm. Um, we have people who go on bikes, that's motorbikes. You know, mm -hmm. then we have people who have their normal cars, you know. So obviously for heavy you know, product, they can use the vehicle. So it's obviously somebody with a bicycle is not going to accept that order. You know, so, you know, that way we're able to walk around that flow. So it's just the, the normal flow of somebody has a vehicle and is not using it, or maybe just driving past, you know, he sees the order is already verified, he can click and accept, you know, to pick up the order, or maybe somebody has a bike, you know, mm. and then a motorbike, and, you know, there's an order he can pick and deliver, you know. But we're also taking it a step further to even see, because right now, you know, um, with the recent ban in Lagos uh, about the motorbikes, um, you know, the ride alien uh, motorbikes. We are looking for how we can partner with some of these guys. We are in talks with about um, three of them at the moment. Um, but we are trying to see how we can convert some of them to become our one kiosk pros. Because obviously these bikes are already there. You know, these guys are being returned back to be unemployed. You know, because obviously mm. that is what they were doing before now, you know, using, picking up passengers, you know, and taking them to various um, points of destination. But right now they've been rendered, you know, redundant without having any source of income. So we are looking at how we can have an handshake with some of these guys, absorb them into our pool, like the normal one kiosk pools, although that's really going into the bike, so the motorbikes. You know, all they just mm. need to do is have that, you know, delivery back backpack added to their to their bikes, and they are good to go. You know, so that way we're able to like absorb a lot of um, bike guys, you know, and create more jobs on a rapid scale. So those are just some of the things that we're looking at for now. Yeah. 
Okay, cool. Um, in terms of uh, investment, uh, were you guys able to uh, secure some founding or are most of the founding like from you guys or like external um, investors or like are, were you able to get any overseas investment or how do you generally like approach that? Okay, um, so currently um, we've been a bit lean. Um, so we we've been able to raise generally about eighteen k dollars. That's eighteen thousand uh, dollars, which involves uh, both grant, founders capital, and an injection of about ten thousand dollars from an angel investor. Um, so basically, right now we're in talks with various um, we're in talks with various um, investors. Um, to actually, you know, put in funds. We have some who are at various uh, level of engagement with us. Some are doing mm. their background checks at the moment. Some are um, still at maybe second level. They're about trying to, sorry, still trying to understand um, the whole flow. So we believe that at least before the ending of um, this month, we should be able to close up um, at least something significant to be able to like fully roll out um, the solution to a wider market, you know. So we're, we're in talks with micro traction. We're in talks with um, niche capital. At least those ones are like later stage engagement. So it's just for us to like seal off, you know, these platform capital and all that. So basically, a lot of people understand and see the value in what we are doing. But there's a resentment um, to what the e-commerce, other e-commerce players before us did in the market. You know, I don't want to mention it, but, you know, a lot of people got their fingers burnt. So there's that, mm. um, there's that fear, you know, that, oh, you know, can you guys do... But once people understand what we are doing differently, um, with mm. the hybrid model, you know, they, they, in fact, it, it took us quite a while before we could really make people to understand, you know, this unique value proposition. Because once people just hear e-commerce, they just want to just stay away. <laughs> but when they get closer to you and you explain, you know, how your model, you know, is able to use the hybrid offline, online, you know, to, to, to give value, uh, they're able to quickly embrace uh, that. In fact, okay, I don't want to mention him, but there's a particular, you know, VC that we have got into the later stage um, with. And, you know, when they first heard about it, they were like, they're not interested. <laughs> you know, just until we now explained what it is. So immediately they have e-commerce, they were like, oh, no, 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 we don't do anything e-commerce. But when they heard mm. what we've done, when they when they heard, you know, how how the model works, they were like, oh, okay, let's sort of meeting immediately. Let's, let's have meeting, you know, the following week and all that. And we've actually, those are like some of those people that were actually, you know, believing that we should be able to close up between this week and next week they're about uh, with at least something significant to be able to like, um, you know, roll the system um, more forward, you know, but we are, you know, we believe that we are setting the pace. We owe, we owe it a duty to those coming behind us to, to set the pace, you know, so that people don't have to go through the same thing that we are going through. You know, in that sense. So even everybody that has raised funds, you know, along this ecosystem owes it a duty to make sure that, you know, they give value, 
you know, and they kind of, you know, manage the funds efficiently so that, you know, the various stakeholders, the investors, everybody can benefit and everybody can see value why they should recycle back more funds, you know, into, you know, the ecosystem. So the, basically that's what we're doing and that's why, you know, we're, 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 we're very patient and um, we're engaging various stakeholders so that they can understand the value. And we are very much happy that, you know, between um, when we started and today, we've seen at least, you know, one or two people trying to, you know, also try to attempt what we are doing, you know, here in Lagos, Nigeria. So it's, it's, it's very, very significant. Yes, some of them have, you know, maybe um, the internal funds to like, you know, push. But what that does is I just validates the market and gradually people are going to embrace this model you know, as a sustainable model to work for Africa. And that gives us joy one way or the other that, yes, we'll be able to, like, you know, lead the market, you know, into people believing in the potentials it has. Yeah. What are your thoughts generally on, on investments for startups in, say, in, in Nigeria? Do you believe that there's, there's, um, there's enough money floating around? Do you... Um, what are some of like the pain points that startups like yourself have around investing or gaining investment, seeking out capital, etc.? Um, so, for my little observation within the yes. market, um, mm -hmm. raising funds is a bit much more easier from foreign foreign um, side of the table than even locally. Mm. Mm. Uh, that's something that I've seen. That's why you see a lot of, you know, um, startups, you know, aiming to enter into YC, aiming to enter into 500 startups, and all Six those other stars. ventures, mm -hmm. accelerate, mm -hmm. yeah, all those, all those accelerators and, and all that, you know, because, because they believe that immediately they're able to have access, you know, to the international market, you know, they're able to like, get people who already understand, you know, how this model works. So let me give for example, this also played out even with us. The angel investor who, who, who injected $10,000 with us gave us this fund with, I think he gave us in less than 48 hours after engaging with us for the first time. Mm -hmm. we, didn't, mm -hmm. didn't, we didn't know him from anywhere. And why was he able to do this? He's actually based in the US. Mm -hmm. So immediately he heard about what we're trying to do. That was last year. You know, he just he just bought into it because he already understands, you know, this is something that he uses, you know, in the US on a daily basis. So it's not mm -hmm. something that is new to him. But, you know, for a local investor, it might take him a bit of time to just believe that, oh, maybe it's just like every other e-commerce platform until you really put in figures and numbers to back up your your claim you know so those are those are some of the you know gaps but i believe that gradually we're also getting to a stage whereby you know we're having a lot of um people who have schooled abroad coming into the country setting up impact funds both angel mm. levels both seed level and gradually mm. you know you know things are taking shape so like for example we were opportune to make top 10 finalists for the harvard uh business um school program the competition were top 10 across africa you know but mm. unfortunately we were not able to attend 
you know. But you know, mm. with that kind of exposure, if we were able to go there and then engage with people on a global scale who already are familiar with instant cards, corner shop, you know, delivery, all those, you know, there's that warm reception. They're able to know that oh, this can actually, this hybrid model can actually scale, you know. So basically, you know, I believe over time is going to change. You know, mm. it's already changing. Not even, you know, it's going to change. It's already changing. Um, but I think the local investors too need to um, actually be able to do more. I think they are also limited a bit with maybe the size of checks they can do. You know, so you see, mm-hmm. if somebody is able to do an a, a, an international investor in that sense, global investor is able to do maybe a 150k, you know, for maybe seven percent or seven point five. But a local investor might give you that same, you know, might want to take that same seven percent and give you maybe a 15k. You know, dollar. You know, so that that those you know, there's that you know, maybe a bit of limitations to maybe the size of check they're able to do and all that. But really, the goal of every uh, business founder should be to grow the business. So whatever funds you're able to get, you just have to you know maximize it you know towards growing the business. So at the end of the day, it still boils down to um, the utilization of funds. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, I mean, like we just talked about like a lot of the things that I wanted to ask anyway, since I saw you guys uh, like won the, um, uh, is it part of the Apps Africa? You guys won an award from them and different things. So, yeah, I was just about to ask you like, um, like for local entrepreneurs, do they feel like they have access to different resources and um, like these competitions, uh, like to help them grow? Um, but yeah, I think you answered like uh, part of the question already. Yeah, I think I think what is heavy also in Africa is that capacity building. So capacity mm-hmm. capacity building is there. They're able to give that mm-hmm. capacity building to emerging entrepreneurs, you know. But when it comes to then, you know, writing the checks, mm-hmm. then that becomes a challenge. Mm. Mm-hmm. Nobody so wants see, to write the checks. Yeah. You even see some of our, you know, um, government agencies, you know, priding on how they train entrepreneurs, you know, but when it comes to check, they're not able to. Mm. You know, so, so it's just as if um, you train, but you do not now give them that, that leverage, you know, to Mm. be able to execute, (laughs) you know, so. You know, a lot of people have to either, you know, source that from family and friends. But I think also, just to mention, I think Tony Lumilutu is doing great work uh, with mm-hmm. that part. You know, even though there's um, little to how far, you know, maybe the, the money can, can get you, but at least it gives you that foundation for you to set things on the right course. You know, mm-hmm. so uh, basically, you know, if we have more more of those um Inject kind of um, platforms, you know, look that understand the local, you know, uh, environment, the continent. Uh, I think it will go a long way, you know, to give a lot more people that um, 
foundation and like i said earlier everybody that gets access to one funding or the other owes it like <laughs> i think you also collaborated that too everybody owes the responsibility back to the next people coming behind to make a success out of it because if yeah. people who also are skeptical already about investing then invest and then they get their fingers burnt they won't want to do that again so uh, what are some of the things that you think well help your startup uh, get to the next level? Uh, what kind of things um, that you, you think would be helpful for you? Uh, like even just from listeners uh, from their startups that in China or in other parts of the world, uh, like maybe someone will think of it as like, oh, I could offer that. So yeah, so maybe you can just share like some of the like challenges that you're working on or like what kind of resources will be helpful to you for your startup. Yeah. Okay. So, um, for us, um, we're looking for partners, you know, that could um, help to build um, our team, uh, especially our tech team, you know, to be able to, you know, go deeper in terms of um, machine learning, in terms of AI, um, to be able to at least adapt some of those things, you know, as we scale up uh, our solution. You know, because that's, mm. you know, that there's still that talent gaps. Yes, a lot has been talk, talk, talk about how a lot of people are learning about, you know, data science, you know, and all that. But, you know, there's still like a kind of limitation, you know, to how many people can actually, you know, walk around this um skill set, you know, data science, uh, machine learning, you know, before we even start talking about AI, you know, so, um, mm. you know, we need, we need partners who could, you know, um, we could, we could kind of use to build our capacity for our team, uh, who could work with us, um, you know, around that area. We are also, yeah. um, looking out for investors, you know, who could add up maybe from experience, you know, strategy, you know, to help us, you know, scale, you know, pretty fast than, you know, even what we are currently doing, you know, not just bringing funds to the table, but also being able to, you know, add, you know, their weight of experience and network to be able to open doors where we need doors to open, you know. Um, so basically also that's also where some of the local um, investors still come in too because some of them are closer, you know, to either the government or maybe to various other stakeholders that they could easily mm -hmm. just, you know, engage with. Um, so I think those two areas in terms of um, partners, you know, who could give us, you know, platforms, you know, to share our vision, um, mm -hmm. to share what we do, you know, with global people who might want to, you know, you know, kind of pack more lives because um, basically this is also high on the impact side, especially to the small uh, micro uh, businesses that we're working with. Um, so basically, if we can get a lot of partners, you know, who are aligned, you know, to making the world a better place, who are aligned to the sustainable development goals, you know, who can help in terms of capacity, who can help in terms of impact funds to also, you know, trickle down to some of these small business uh, um, owners that we're working with and also, you know, partners too who might also be interested maybe in giving um, financial 
credit, you know, to some of these business owners whereby, you know, they just plug into us and then we are able to give more added value to some of these guys. So when we verify them, we provide the data, you know, to, to them and then they are able to like give more credit um, to some of these um, local stores. I think it will go a long way um, mm. to kind of, you know, uh, drive, you know, the adoption uh, and also scale of our solution across. So basically, you know, we're looking for partners and we're also looking for uh, investors who bring not just funds to the table, but also strategy, experience, and network. Thank you. Yeah. Hey, awesome. and, and and they can be anywhere in the world, right? They can be, let's say there's sure, a sure. e-commerce platform doing something similar in another part of the, the world. You're happy to... Sure connect with them, talk with sure. them, transfer knowledge, skills, sure. networks, all of that stuff. Sure. You're open. Sure, sure. Sure, we are very open. Uh, in fact, you know, part of what, you know, and, and I think that's also where some of these things comes in. You know, the world is a global village, um, but, you know, we have some government policies too that, you know, makes things a bit hard. So when we got into mm. the top 10 for the uh, Harvard uh, Business School, uh, which mm -hmm. just had last month, uh, you know, all of us in Nigeria here yeah, were denied visa. Mm. Mm. So we could not, we could not, <laughs> we could not attend in person. We had to look for somebody who, you know, kind of helps us in anything international relations. You know, she's based in the U.S. to actually represent us. Mm. You know, yeah. So that that. Yeah, yeah. The, Team, nobody from them. In fact, not just for one kiosk, but virtually all the startups that were selected from Nigeria were rejected visa. Okay. Mm. So, yeah, And and what we were looking out for from that experience was a way to be able to connect with the likes of Instant Cards, Corner Shop. You know, whereby we can even understudy, we can build a kind of relationship, understudy what they are doing, you know, have a practical hands-on experience, you know, also of what they do and collaborate where possible, you know, rather than going through the whole flow that they've gone through, we could pick one or two things and adapt it to what we have here, you know. But, you know, some of those things, you know, can only be possible when, you know, we have people who could, you know, somebody could have just maybe made a call to the, the U.S. consulate and they would have granted us the visa, you know, but we don't currently have that available. So that's where some of the partners come in. In fact, one uh, question that they actually asked before rejecting us visa was, how much have we raised? Wow. <laughs> yeah, and when we mentioned how much we've raised, they were like, oh, so no VC has invested yet. You know, but yeah. if, if, if it, it also shows that there's a gap because yeah. yes, our, our, our idea is fantastic, but in Nigeria, yeah, nobody raises funds just like that. You know, it doesn't just, it, it's not, it takes, it takes a while. So for you to be asking about, you know, so you know, big VC has invested huge funds. That means you also, mm -hmm. that means those, those guys, you know, also do not have a proper understanding of how it works here. Yeah. <laughs> You know, so those are some of the things. It's all connected. You know, it's all connected. So I, I just feel like, you know, the more the 
enlightenment, the more we're able to get engagement with um, people, both local, both global, you know, there's that, you know, sharing of understanding, knowledge exchange that keeps going. People are able to better understand how things work here. We're also able to understand how things work there. People are able to determine, oh, is this the right market to scale next, you know, after you have dominated this other market or you know or not you know those are just mm. some of those things so we're very much open to you know partners investors from any part of the world yeah brilliant yeah. okay awesome okay. yeah any any Thanks. other questions or should we just wrap it up I don't have any questions. I always like to end each podcast with a word of advice, but um, I think you've you've shared a lot that people can think about. Unless there's any closing words that you'd like to to add, I think just from listening to you personally, I think um, you definitely value impact and empowering community. So I would say that's a strong message that you've sent to the mm-hmm. listeners. And obviously, you've yeah. got to take risks and you have to be resilient and just keep going because obviously. <laughs> You guys are working under a lot of um, constraints, as as yeah. we all do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I usually say the rule of the game is survive. You know, mm-hmm. survive, don't die. Yeah, you know, so. the fittest survive. <laughs> survive, and then yeah. thrive, and then help yeah. others. Yeah, I I think if if every business um, owner or every founder or every startup founder can find a way to align with the sustainable development goals, you know, even if it's just one, even if it's just one of them, I think the world will be a better place. If it's just, even if it's just one, even if it's poverty eradication, even if it's job creation, even if it's gender equality, even any 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 particular one, just you know, mm-hmm. let everybody just connect. You know, yes, your 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 goal is still to make profit, but you know, just align with one of them. You know, and you you will be good to go, sort of. Mm. Yeah, you don't In have to compromise profit. profit to do well. Yeah. You can do both. The world yeah. has changed. Sure. You can do both now. Sure. Sure. Awesome. So that would be okay. Society. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> And we look forward to having you back at another time. Thank you. Thank By then, you. Heather will have her own podcast, so you can go on her show as well. <laughs> right, yeah. Heather? Excited for the update. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Please keep us it's coming yeah. and yeah, looking for, <laughs> forward to bigger things yeah, for you. Yeah. <laughs> I will. We're grateful for your time. Thank you so much. We know this was, we know this was, this one was difficult, but um, we're really happy, really happy that we had you. So, okay, take care. Bye for now. Thank you so much. Bye. 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 Bye.